Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast, episode number 167. Hello, Jonathan Lewis. How the devil are you? At this minute in time, I'm pretty relaxed after finishing uh, 12 hour days and putting a baby to bed. You are, you are in bed I'm, yourself, so you should be How much entertainment going on? Yeah, I am in bed with the most horrifically card wall I've ever seen in my life. I didn't paint it, by the way. I wasn't going to say. Um, where's two? Why isn't it? It's thinking. It's Owlin. Yeah. Yeah. So, wh- wh- where, where are you situated? Still in the, still outside in your shed? Still in my, it's a garage, not a shed. I have a shed as well, but I did, would not sit in that because, to be honest, I wouldn't fit in it because it's like uh, a game of Tetris. It's got like kids' oh. slides, garden furniture, um, some of my garden, like I've got a lawnmower, a pressure washer, uh, garden tools, and it's kind of all fit in like a game of Tetris, so like, almost to the ceiling. Literally. So again, you, you, slight, you slightly con- distorted there. Say that again. I'll just compliment you on your you wife. You seem like the type of character have a ride along mower. No, um, I did buy one recently, actually, only probably four or five weeks ago because my other lawnmower... So I've got a battery-powered Ryobi lawnmower. Um, always wireless. I don't understand people that have plug-in, like, wired uh, lawnmowers. Um, and obviously, I'm a fully ethical individual that has some corporate and social responsibility-type actions, so I will not be using petrol lawnmowers, although I do drive a... Um, obviously, I don't drive an electric car yet. Um, I say yet because obviously I've got hybrid on the way when it ever fucking turns up. But um, anyway, by the way, um, you, what? Say again. Hybrid of the fully electric, unless Mr. Musk can build a million mile battery, then yeah, that, happens, just hybrid, the, that is a problem. Yeah, um, like I looked at fully electric, but most of them, like the the longest, I think one of the longest or best batteries outside of maybe like the Tesla, which is probably out of my price range really, but. Um, like a Golf, an e-Golf, um, or GTE, and that's like 160 miles, and it takes 45 minutes on a super fast charger to get like 80% full. So you can't go anywhere. Like if you have it, like if, like especially bear in mind I live in the arse end of nowhere. If I have to go somewhere of any major city, that means I have to go somewhere and probably stop on the way for 45 minutes to charge to then go again, which just makes that unviable, unfortunately. Um, hence the There's- Hybrid, but cheap mind considering what they do, consider the performance they got as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the mate, I've, I've got an, no, well, I've got an A250e turn up Mercedes, and uh, it's a fucking pocket rocket. Yeah, all right, it's a pocket rocket, honestly. It's like 0 to 60, I think 6.6 or something. So, lovely old job. But if you drive it sensibly, um, do as much you can on the electric, and you still get something like I don't know, 100 to the mile, something like that. Like petrol is in hundreds of miles, hundreds of the gallon, hundred miles to the gallon. That's what I should have said. It's pretty good, decent. Yeah, it's I've decent. resigned myself to having shit cars for the time being to invest more to have a better life in ten years. Is that sad? No, I, mate. You do realise that this is a company car, not mine, and also um, 
the the com- that what it's replacing is a 06 Toyota Corolla that I paid twelve hundred pounds for. Nice. So, <laughs> I'm with you, brother. I uh, I would absolutely do that. I don't I don't really want to be working past fifty. No, before. I don't. I don't either. But I had this conversation with someone yesterday about obviously the house move that's happening. I've probably meant that I'm now going to be working until sixty five. <laughs> Never mind. Well, Maybe not working as such, but having the choice to work and ability to go, nah, actually, I don't fancy it today. Yeah, well, bear in mind, you can take your pension benefits at age 55. I always thought, I'm going to retire at 55. But that's looking in doubt at the moment. I'm I'm not going to lie. Um, If I can still retire at 55, I will be... I'd be so happy. It'd be a lovely old job. But I think, I mean, anywhere close to that, I'll be reasonably happy at the moment, given... Given the wife keeps fucking making me buy expensive stuff. Sorted out, Brett. Sorted out. I know, I know. But I am very much one for delayed uh, gratification. Um, I, I like to kind of suffer now and, and kind of indulge later, which kind of, as last week's chat um, kind of delved into with Steve around kind of kind of lines with my pseudo uh, eating disorder of saving calories for the evening. I don't do that so much anymore. That was a that was a kind of a, a flexible dieting phase, probably from the years of two thousand and sixteen to two thousand and eighteen, maybe. You're all right now. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm, I haven't got an eating disorder anymore. Yeah, that's all right. Oh, anyway, going go, going back to my lawnmower. So anyway, I bought a new lawnmower to replace my. I bought another Ryobi electric battery powered lawnmower to replace the one that I had previously because that was about seven years old. And the fucking battery uh, charger died. And you can't buy a new battery charger for less than about 100 quid or something. And I was like, I can actually buy a brand new lawnmower for 200 quid, which obviously comes with a new battery as well. So I'm like, mm, efficiency-wise, this battery's not going to last forever. Because like, all batteries degrade over time, don't they? Like, no matter what they're in. Like, you only got to look at your iPhone to know how fucking shit they get after a couple of years. Um, and I thought, oh, seven years old. How long is this battery going to last for? It starts not even being able to kind of do my entire lawn. Um, before I have to recharge it again a bit like the issue we are talking about the, the Golf GTE so I thought to myself it's probably going to be more long term cost efficient for me to buy a new one now than to buy a new battery charger and then my battery then dies anyway and then I've got to either get a new battery again which is probably as expensive as the charger if not more and a new charger or no, you know whatever so and the problem is like they're all, as because as, it's seven years old you can't even like kind of get anything that fits that old battery anymore because it's a, like one of these what jobs where you get one battery that's supposed to fit loads of different tools and loads of different things but um so you know it's like your iphone when they went from the old charger to the lightning cable all of your old things are all suddenly redundant and i've now got that problem but hey yo anyway no one wants to hear about my fucking lawnmowers i'm just saying about my shed and it's, it's like tetris and hence i'm sitting in the garage that was a fucking long-winded conversation wasn't it just to, mm. the fact that you asked me where am i however however i think i feel i can i can put a segue into the actual topic of the conversation go for it or do you want to do an update first can <clears throat> how clever are you to come back to that segue after moving away from it probably not clever <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say update on trained nutrition people like to hear that stuff what's happening <clears throat> well still maintenance get back in the gym um, I've actually markedly increased my weights and reps from last week so I thought I'll go in last week was the first week last week yeah, first week last week go in pretty conservative 
I mean, I did, like, on the hammer strength chest press, right? Before lockdown, I was doing three plates and a five-a-side for about six or seven. So the first big back, I was doing 30-a-side, like, which is, you know, a lot less. It's half, nearly half. For eight, and, like, literally eight reps, it's like, oh, my God, I failed. I failed on eight or 30. But uh, this week... I managed to do 40 aside for three sets of eight. And it was, it was hard, don't get me wrong, but, so I've, I know I said I was going to like, ease it in really slow, but I thought, ah, nah, fuck it. It feels good, so I just do it. So I've gone back now to, training as hard as I can, with, with the strength, and the endurance that I've currently got. So training's going well. Mm-hmm. Nutrition's going well, I haven't weighed nothing off for the first. I'll just say, going back, just, just going back to the training thing, have you noticed, any severe like soreness and stuff afterwards then or has that kind of not been too bad or first of a body session it felt like my bones of my chest were going to come out hmm. you got that ache in, in your muscles you'd be thinking it's like my bone was it my bones are again I was like oh my god it's so bad but I trained on the Monday up and on Saturday I was still aching <laughs> <laughs> so when when you then did your next session and obviously bear in mind you you've just gone right i'm just gonna like you said just train as hard as i can given the the kind of the capacity you've got currently mm. is it still sore or are you kind of finding no no, no. Okay. It's, it's, it's surprising how quickly how much difference it is from last week to this week eight for a day and that was it mm. And with 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 what would be considerably more volume, more weight. Well, not not a lot of more volume, but a couple more reps of higher weight. So not like I, I went from two sets of five. I went from two sets to two sets with a couple more reps with higher weight. So yeah. volume a little bit bigger, but weight a lot bigger. But I suppose on that it depends how you're counting volume. So I tend to count volume really just on number of hard sets. So, have you actually increased sets, or was it literally just you just added weight and reps? Added weight and reps. Yeah. So the way I would say, I'd say you haven't actually. I mean, obviously you do more work because obviously yeah. you've added, the, you've upped the intensity, and obviously you have managed to get more reps out of it. Um, but I suppose it, the way I would more, I would count that as if you went to failure first type session, which obviously happened to be, you know, thirty by eight yeah. or whatever it was, um, <laughs> and then went to failure the second time, which happened to be forty by nine. They were still two sets to failure, two sets to failure both weeks. So that's kind yeah. of like this for me. I I would use I would look at that as it's similar volume, but obviously you've just then gone. You've happened to obviously up the intensity. I mean, you could argue you're going to failure both sessions. Your your actual RPE hasn't changed either. So you're doing the same volume at the same RPE two weeks running. But it just show your your progression is just based on that adaptations of like the kind of neurological stuff that you just that you say how quick that strength comes back. Yeah, but I think as in more volume as more it is still more. If you're counting tonnage, because obviously tonnage, I, 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 yeah, yeah I mean, because if you if you're counting volume as tonnage, but I, I'll be honest, we've had this on the podcast before. I, I, I question how valuable tonnage really is, and I suppose you can. Is is there to to a certain extent? It, you can obviously if you count it and use it on one exercise, as in comparing one exercise to the same exercise under the same conditions. That's obviously a lot easier, but it's obviously it's not so easy to count it when. You know, you you can't compare the tonnage on a on a I don't know, like even a back squat compared to a leg press, and you can't compare the tonnage on a 
back squat compared to a leg extension, say. I know obviously it's a compound move and it's slightly different, but you, you just it comes to a point where you start changing exercises. The like Canton volume or tonnage as volume becomes almost a bit too arbitrary and too difficult. Yeah. So hence, I just think it gets to a point where I think it's a lot more sensible. And I think the research has started to do this a lot more. And I think when you listen to other way more knowledgeable people in the industry, like, you know, your Greg Knuckles and your people that are really into into training and the science aspect, they, I think a lot of those tend to look at your kind of, your your volume is really tracked as your, just your number of hard sets. I would say so, it's, it's easy to track that way, isn't it? Yeah, because obviously it's kind of like, well, you know, and a sim- this is this is obviously for anyone listening in terms of if they're doing their own programming and stuff. You know, it's a lot easier to go, right, I've just got to do two hard sets this week. And then next week, I'll up my volume and do three hard sets. And then you know that you kind of can compare two sets to two sets, three sets to two sets kind of thing, because obviously you know you've upped your volume. Um, yes, there are some kind of different dif- differences between kind of like how many reps can you get in those hard sets compared to another and you know the intensity the, even the rpe but kind of i think in terms of just kind of progressing volume almost the volume landmarks you know someone like israel your buddy would say um it's a lot easier to work through just knowing oh, i'm increasing my volume by by kind of adding heart, heart an extra set in than it is to try and increase it in other ways oh yeah it's definitely just to track like hard as i can say rather than doing um Weight, hundred percent. I just do it as in, just so I know I've improved from last week only to the, only at the start. Like generally, I'll do the same as you. Generally, I just up my volume increases when, like my sets go up. Mm. But when I find it better, so I, I listen a lot to the Lyle, and generally speaking, uh, his name's banned on this podcast now. Yeah. Generally speaking, as much of a bell end as he is, as a, as an individual, he tends to be right ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah, and and years before, the, the what they call the big names say it, and it is like <clears throat> a long time before, and <clears throat> he obviously disagrees with the really high volume training that Isretel does and promotes. But if you look at Isretel compared to Lyle. In terms of what you'd look like, what would you? Who would you listen to based on looks? Would you I, to I wouldn't because I know you should never base your. No, um, should the people do, don't they? Yeah. So that's what people do, but plus, plus he's plus he's also on special sports supplements. Yes. I don't, I don't think Lyle is. No, I wouldn't imagine so. Yeah. But I'm like I started doing it before lockdown. I didn't. I wasn't pushing the. I wasn't doing ridiculous volume in terms of adding sets all the time. I was trying to focus on just bringing intensity up and then trying to progress like reps and yeah. weight over time rather than focus on right, oh, I'm going to do two sets this week, um, two next week, three, then four, then five, then deload, then start again, whatever. And it, yeah. So I'm trying to keep volume relatively, you well, know, it's not low as such, but low to medium. And and you you it sounds like you obviously technically you're keeping volume quite static, but you're progressing by those other means, which is you know a perfectly yeah. good and methodical way of training. You know there are times where you want to push volume higher because just going back actually to your comment you made said Lyle would disagree with Isretel's high volume. I actually don't think Isretel really is. I think if you listen to him speak, I don't think he's actually really ever advocating high volumes. I think he just advocates maybe slightly high or, or periods of higher volumes compared to others so someone like 
you know, the 3DMJ crowd will be saying, you know, or, or were anyway to start with, very much progress on the minimum amount of volume you need to do. So you give yourself somewhere to go, basically. If you're progressing on the highest volume you can do, you've got nowhere to go, which is kind of like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And I think Israel got a bit caught up in that, in that, or caught in that crossfire because people just thought he was the opposite way he was saying, but I don't think he was. I think when you listen to him speak, he actually says, no, I am more advocate start at a low volume and progress through to a higher volume and then recycle that period. Hence, you kind yeah. of have these volume landmarks where you've got your minimum effective volumes up to, your, obviously, your, your maximum adaptive volumes. So, which is kind of obviously that, that for that maybe week or two in that period, working through a mesocycle, yes, it might be quite high volume, but I guess he's not. He's never suggesting to do that all the time. Yeah, I don't, yes, you're right. But it's, not, it's not generally high volume from the get-go. From like, if, you, if your meso is like six weeks or whatever, he's not going right week one, you do an all the volume up until week six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but my reference to like high volume is when you get to that fifth and sixth week, I've seen some of his training, I've done some of his training, but they are mega like Jesus you can't you can't do six sets of anything with the same intensity you know and then well, it do depends, one, depends, do something depends. Else. yeah it depends what it is but yeah and I mean yeah. generally yeah. I mean there aren't there aren't many exercises that I think I could do six effective worthwhile sets of stuff if I could it's going to be probably stuff like fucking delt flies or so I don't know fucking something just it's really simple, easy, low low weight or low stress move. I'm certainly not going to be doing six sets of squats effectively. Um, not not at any type of intensity, anyway. You know, if you're working out a five R, five RAR, maybe, but yeah. yeah. Before lockdown, three months before lockdown, I started doing just train that way. Go using sets to failure, so not say this three sets all round. It's very similar to what I suppose what Dorn Yates used to do, but not to that. Obviously, the guy's a giant monster. Like, do two sets, um, hard hard working sets, but the, the last set will be to failure. I prefer that to me because you have, you have to keep volume down with the nature of that training that you can't go to win. You can't go to failure and do high volume. It just doesn't really work for recovery, I suppose, unless you're doing loads of gear. But I, or to you'll, me, you'll break eventually. Oh yeah, yeah. Even with gear, you would break eventually. Yeah, but <clears throat> I prefer. I think it keeps the volume down. It keeps it. It keeps the workout sessions down. And you can really pound yourself, keeping volume down. So you you will recover, and and you, I I tend to find you push more. Obviously, you're not pushing volume. You're trying to push intensity via obviously increasing weight all the time. And generally speaking, if you're getting stronger, you're probably getting bigger than you. Well, o- over time, yeah. Over, yeah, over o- time. Yeah. O- obviously, they, 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 there is a certain level of conflation over time where, because obviously, strength and hypertrophy aren't necessarily the same thing. In fact, they can be quite opposite. But you, people that get bigger will get stronger over time because you know you, if you're getting bigger you are you can you obviously got more muscle mass which can then or should therefore be able to generate more force and velocity if you're getting stronger there's probably less i think association because you obviously there's so much neuro, neurological adaptations and stuff that happen but if you are continuing getting stronger there's only so much of that that can happen where you have to generate more muscle mass to get stronger so th- there is a type there is a point over like if you're getting stronger over the, the like a long period of time 
you're also going to be getting bigger at some point. And if you're getting bigger, you're probably going to be getting stronger. They, they, you can't completely separate them. Um, although, I mean, you do see some fucking tiny powerlifters that yeah. are, are so strong. You're like, how? How? Yeah. Gone, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and obviously, you do see some ginormous people that are... You know, probably weaker than you think, but they're never weak. They're still got they're still got a good amount of strength. Like some giant bodybuilders, never going to be fucking like weak. Um, but they might just have done a lot of hypertrophic work that has generated lots of kind of size, but not necessarily something that's particularly strong. But they're still because of the size, they're still going to be stronger than you know your, your average person or than most people. Hundred percent. Well, not not for you, which obviously don't go to the gym, no, do anything else, but. Even the gym I go to, I don't want to say it's not a hardcore gym. Well, it's a big shed with good weights in. Some people would call it that. It's hardcore compared to a ledge shed, let's put it that way. Mm. And you look around and you think, and these people have been training years now. And people, people who are beginners probably should take heed and listen to this. Is they either go into failure, but the reps are absolutely shocking. As in, rep one is shocking, and then rep five is shocking. Focusing on how much weight can I put on the bar without any any regard to tempo or anything. So just on a bench, just grabbing it, jump, bouncing off your chest, and up you go. It's like, well, the purpose of what you're doing, these people are trying to get bigger, so you're bodybuilding, not powerlifting. So... Obviously, you will care what weight you got on the bar, but you need to focus on working the muscle, the target muscle, not impressing the bird sitting over there. So that's one. And, and the other people then, they just don't, they are nowhere near. I mean, so far off failure, so you're warming up, and that's they set flat. You think, I watched a guy, good shape, big lump, it's called a 15 stone with abs, good shape. He trained like a six-year-old girl as a mate. What are you doing? Lifting pathetic, pathetic weights. No intention. So how are you? How are you that big? How? If you trained properly, you'd be massive. You train like a girl. You train. I shouldn't say train like a girl. You train like a child. It's like come on. So I think people are not starting out. Should first learn technique because strength will come with the neurological adaptations get that nailed and then worry about your weight and adding weight over time and when you obviously when you when your form is sorted and it's not actually perfect but you know it's good then you, you can focus on other things and then you can focus on probably going to failure it's probably a good idea for some people if it's done sensibly because I remember Lyle talked about some of the studies that I think was Brad involved in them or Brad mentioned them and he, he breaks the studies down and the ones I said or higher volume is I think Lyle recommends 10 to 20 sets per body park a week body park body part a week 10 minimum 20 maximum something like that there was other data to show like 30 plus 40 plus is, yeah, is okay well- Schoenfeld and Krieger both did one of the high volume studies. I can't remember the name of it now, didn't they? But yeah, some of the the group there that showed the most growth was something like thirty six sets per, yeah. per body part. But he actually showed he showed the training, and it's like that's not happening. You wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it. They were saying like, 
don't quote me on this because it was, it, it's definitely not a perfect uh, recollection. But he was saying something like they were saying they were they were going to failure on squats for like two or three sets and then going to failure on leg press. He said, yeah, it doesn't happen. You wouldn't be doing it. If you've truly failed twice on squat, you wouldn't then be going on to a leg press for loads of volume. It just wouldn't happen. You wouldn't be doing it. So he's saying the studies are a load of shit, which, to be fair, he was right, which showed it, it makes sense that 30 sets per body part a week for any newbie or, or intermediate trainer is not going to happen. Maybe when you are very large, very experienced with chemical assistance, then you probably could get away with 30-odd sets of body part a week because probably you have to do a lot of volume to be able to grow that much more. But, I mean, these people, are we're really talking professional bodybuilders here and we're not, not your average Joe. I mean, pros can do what they like and grow because of the genetic factor. But... I've made all the mistakes I've just mentioned before. But like, if people are listening and just started training, then if you just get your form right first, just do that. That's it. Don't focus on weight. Don't worry about weight. Because sacrifice now, what we just mentioned at the start of the podcast, for the gains later on. If you get it right now, you'll make faster gains. So you'll end up surpassing where you would have been trying to push under a bench shit form get it right first get the form right the weight will come and the size will come if genetics are low yeah of course well let, let's not go too far into because we can end the a podcast now otherwise mate so let's let's save that but um so just just come back to your update so you are obviously at maintenance um getting yourself back into the gym now and obviously pushing yourself basically as hard as you can which is Probably not what we would recommend to most people. Um, no, don't but, do it. Um, but obviously, you know, it's kind of working or it suits your personality at the moment. So, I think, if, if you don't mind me speaking again, I've talked quite a lot. What? I I wouldn't recommend, not, not that I'm some giant bodybuilder, obviously, but because I've trained for a long time, I feel I'm more capable than someone who's just started training and going in it today hard because one I'll understand actually that's too much I know the feeling when it's too much and I don't need to worry about I don't say worry about form I know how to train when some people were going there pushing out really hard who haven't trained we've just started training you know before the pandemic now we're six months off four months off you might have yourself just go in and flat out straight away just just use your head yeah I, I'll be honest I, I don't I think it it boils down to me a little bit like there's just no real benefit to going in and just like other than because the psychology of it is you just want to because you just miss training you know maybe you don't quite get the same buzz if you're you know kind of not going all in um I, I, don't, I don't there's there's no kind of advantage to doing it like you're not going to get anywhere any quicker I mean there's I can't I think this is another Schoenfeld study actually as well but I can't remember actually the author of this was but they compared obviously Obviously, they compared two groups of uh, individual training. One 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 group's trained through full twelve months. Another group trained through six months and had six months off. Um, and the actual uh, improvement in hypertrophy was no different between the two groups. That's almost because 
basically what happened is the people that took time off just then got caught up faster. So they basically regained, obviously, the, the performance in hypertrophy it, like faster just to catch up. So where you like, the way the person like continually training basically just slowly ekes out performance like week on week or whatever, the the person that take like breaks just obviously get caught left behind when they're breaking. They just catch up quick again in the same period. So by the end of the 12 months, you're in the same position. So it kind of, I mean, for me, it's kind of like, well, you know, you take you take studies like that. It kind of suggests that if you, you're thinking, right, I've missed out the time. I've got to go in and smash things. Well, no, you'll just catch up anyway because that's yeah. just the way the way it works. You don't have to smash your way through. Like, you, for uh, the, I, I said this before, and I think the more and more and more get into training, the more kind of learn bits and pieces from other people or or kind of from reading training studies and stuff. I just think a lot of it gets to a point where for ninety eight percent of it, it just doesn't matter, and it's, it's just turning up and doing things. It's the consistency. Now, I'm I'm not talking about there are fundamental principles of resistance training you have to follow clearly execution specificity um progression that all those things matter but I sp- what i mean kind of wrapped around all of that is like a lot of the tiny little details about whether you should be doing fucking 20 sets or 16 sets or whether you should be training in the morning night times whether you should be doing you know all basically all the different variances in in training mod uh, modalities that people suggest like a lot of that stuff just basically makes the two percent difference, and it actually, if you just want ninety eight percent of the results, you're probably going to get anyway. Just turn up every week, week in, week out, and just consistently do something. I I find that well, recently anyway, the more I've learned about training, the the more simpler it's becoming. Yeah, the less oh, shit matters. Yeah, because you you do. I've been guilty of this. I'm, you you probably have most people probably have gone a bit more in depth of research. You you making it too complicated than it needs to be, and we ain't the one percent who maybe it probably will make a difference. Or you know the hundred meter sprinter who's trying to make point one of a second up against Mister Bolt. You know they will you, they should be doing everything to get that percent. Like for most, for ninety nine percent of us. For the things you just mentioned, if you get them right, anything else is pretty much irrelevant. Like they've said, you're 16 sets, 20 sets, whatever. Like if you can train six months a year, 12 months a year, and some guy can train six months and have six months off sleeping in the same place as you, you know a lot of things don't matter. Exactly. It's like when people worry about whether they're training to you know, oh, three RAR, two RAR, or am I training the right intensities? Or I'll be honest, half that stuff is going to make over even over a number of years probably so little difference you'll barely notice it so what stop worrying about that stuff and then kind of it's a bit like the the comparison to nutrition about where people are so focused on trying to find the perfect diet they just consistently fall off because they can't get perfection so they just give up and it's just like it's basically this the training equivalent trying to find all these perfect models of training and all these things they should be doing just stops them training consistently and actually if you just train consistently whether it's perfect or not, you're going to get most of the results that you let you would have ever gotten. That's basically what I yeah. found out. What I feel like over time is is kind of that, you know, and that's why I suppose I worry less now about whether I'm necessarily progressing. Like I, I don't worry so much about oh, I must beat last week's reps or I must do this or you know, I, if I get an RAR wrong where I've I've kind of judged the set and I think oh I'm supposed to work at seven RP or three RAR this week and I end up doing a eight or nine I realized afterwards i think i don't know what you know there, there's there, okay there's a little small knock-on effect potentially but is it the end of the world no 
you know, I might be a bit more tired for my next set or I might not recover quite as well that session compared to the next session. But in the grand scheme of things, just consistently turning up is more important than whether I got that right or not. The problem with that is that doesn't sell. No. That's why so much bullshit around, especially especially nutrition. Well, that is that with training as well, isn't it? But I've got into, I've got into the clients before trying to think, right, I've got to try and make to kind of keep on progressing, I've got to make a complicated routine in the gap. Actually, there's no point in making a complicated routine because it's not needed. It's not. It's, it's just not needed. As long as you enjoy your training, um, obviously you need to stick at it. You can't go like change your exercise every time. As long as you stick to, to some, you know, a, a decent plan, you know, for a couple of months, then change it up, change some of the exercises up. And go again. So you keep enjoying because enjoying it is one thing. Because obviously, if you enjoy it, you're likely to stick to it. Because if you don't enjoy it, you won't stick to it. And then obviously, you won't make any gains if you don't stick to it. But make sure you actually enjoy the training as well. Some training programs may not be optimal. However, if you like it, then crack on. If you don't like training up or lower, you have to train one body part a day like the bodybuilders do, how much difference is that really going to make over a training career when you're probably never going to step on a stage anyway? Minuscule, probably, for most of us. And that's a big thing. People argue about it. It's like, well, does it really matter for Joe Bloggs and Jane Bloggs? Nah, I don't think so. You look you look at the overtraining theory for CrossFitters. I know there's obviously a lot of gear use in CrossFit as well, but there's a lot of people I know do CrossFit in, in good nick. And you would say, you overtrain a lot. But, obviously, it still doesn't make progress. So, that there's so much, I don't know, there's so much nuanced shit that's taught about in training. It's like, we probably know, know now, scientifically, all we need to know about training and nutrition now, about how to get bigger. There's, there's nothing they're going to bring out that's going to change the game totally. Unless they can modify your genes and then make you huge, but that's something to do with training, is it? You know what I mean? Yeah. So what we're doing now is doing a lot of job, pretty much. Sorry to interrupt this episode, but we just wanted to let you know that we're currently accepting applications to work with any of our coaches to help you lose weight and get shredded, or build muscle and get jacked. If you want to know more, just head over to nnncoaching.com/apply. No contract lengths, just evidence-based coaching to make sure you get the results you've always been after. So we, so this, we've obviously gone into some of this detail already, but what we were going to talk about today is basically kind of what we feel were our biggest mistakes um, in kind of, well, I was going to say in training, but you could say your biggest mistakes basically in when we first started out trying to achieve our body composition goals or you know kind of the reasons we got into training so i think the reason we set it as that because both has got into kind of weightlifting or you know not actual olympic weightlifting but obviously resistance training i should say uh, and kind of nutrition really because we want to change our bodies didn't we yeah i was a fat fuck all, all that if you put it a little more blunt <laughs> so i'm not i'm not ashamed to say no no well mate i it's the truth. Obviously, you look back now and think. Obviously, the sole reason I got into the gym, and the sole reason I kind of started to learn about nutrition was to basically help myself lose weight, or what I thought I wanted to do was lose weight. 
turns out that I it wasn't just losing weight that I wanted to do because I thought as a a bloke that all you had to do was lose weight and you look pretty good. And I realised that actually if you lose weight you just look like a tiny little skinny fat like lad, basically, which is what happened. So I then had to start getting into the gym and, and thinking, right, I better put on some level of muscle because otherwise you're just going to look really shit. Yeah, you do want to be a... You don't just want to lose size, do you? You want to lose fat and retain muscle, not just be a... That's well, why... Not, not, not you if, don't get the thing with No, but... Sorry, mate. As you can say, not even retain muscle. I didn't have any muscle to retain. That's my point. No, no. Build some muscle there. Yeah. Like, it's like basically, if it, I went to a gym, but I was a typical, very much run on the treadmill, do a few ab crunches or something, and then I might go in and do a couple of bicep curls or, you know, even a leg press or something. But I'll be honest, clueless in terms of any form of um, structure. So I wouldn't know reps, rep schemes, set schemes. I wouldn't know how to progress or periodize. Uh, knew nothing about what volume or intensity was. I'd just go in, just, just basically move around and like lift what I could for a little bit. And then that would be so sporadic, it'd have zero effect. So obviously when I did lo- eventually lose weight because I just basically over-exercised and restricted myself food from a nutrition perspective in, in periods enough where I did actually lose some weight, I just looked shit. I was still, I was still kind of what I thought was fat. I just I was just smaller and I had no muscle underneath. So Yeah, that's you don't want that to. No. That's not the word. Uh, and I'll be honest, maybe maybe this that goes into like basically what I was gonna say was what I when I when, so I was reflecting thinking about what what were my biggest mistakes in the gym? And I will be honest, there's there's a there's a number of them. Um a fucking hell of a lot, to be honest. But I think one of my biggest mistakes, or even regrets almost, is that I got into the gym in terms of started to take resistance training more seriously at a point where I was just consistently chronically dieting trying to lose weight because I because I was I basically thought I was fat or I was overweight but you know I was, I was always unhappy with my body weight and I think that's probably one of my biggest mistakes or regrets in that you often hear people talk about kind of you know when people are new to resistance training you have this newbie phase and or and you get all your newbie gains and most people will put on the majority of the muscle they ever will do in that first kind of six to 12 months or certainly the fastest rate by a long, long way. I mean, you, you hear stories of people going and putting on 20 pounds of muscle in six months when they start hitting the gym. That never happened for me. And I kind of, like, and I, I don't think there's any evidence out there or studies to suggest this. Like, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure there's no studies on this at all out there. But I do think that I almost suppressed my newbie gains by just not feeding any training that I did in the first kind of couple of years. So I think that's my my biggest mistake, number one. Missed, missed out on my newbie gains. Yeah, I think, yeah, ideally would eat in probably in a surplus with, with decent calories. You train don't, on. Pro- probably don't even have to eat in a surplus like it, for your like, newbie gains. Like, like you're, you're, you're obviously so sensitive to, sensitive to the stimulus. If you have... Any level of any level of training, really, like unless it's just literally such pure shit execution. Um, but if you have any kind of level of training and consistently, which was again half the problem, I think, no, 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 no consistency. Even at maintenance, I think most people just are so sensitive to the stimulus that they do just see 
fucking fantastic results, which is seen time and time again, and hence the kind of even the the ethos of newbie gains. But I think just chronically dieting in those periods, and then therefore, kind of your body not being fed enough energy, not being fed enough calories, not enough protein, all while being quite inconsistent within that period of kind of doing some sessions, not doing some sessions, having no idea how to structure and progress stuff, um, led me to probably just completely miss out on that period. Yeah, you're probably right there, I would say. It's better uh, about the time where you probably didn't. You probably didn't think that way or new, but you know, ideally, like for me, I just ate loads and trained like a moron more than anything. But I did eat quite substantially, so I did put on. I think when I started training, I, think I started like seventeen stone, and like I don't know, whatever age it was, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, and I actually got heavier. At a point, but I was eating quite a lot, and I was quite big. I think my chest one was forty-eight and a half, which is fairly large. And I could pick up. I felt like I could pick up anything. So for me, it was the opposite way around, but probably too much. So I, I lost a bit of weight, felt good, and then as you learn a little bit, ate too much, thinking, "Oh, I could have loads of protein, blah blah blah." So I went all that. So I. If I probably had good newbie gains, definitely in terms of strength, I could, I felt like I could lift anything up. I mean, at my strongest, I could I could rep 50k dumbbells on the shoulders, 100 k shoulder press, bench 160, delve with 220. So I was pretty strong. But I think for me, it was probably the opposite of you. So when you probably underlet and maybe suppressed your newbie gains, I probably maybe not in the first six months, but I probably ate too much. I got fatter, really. Even though I probably got, I did get bigger, but I got probably too fat. I, I, you know I mean, at the start. Yeah, maybe. But I, where I, I could have gone, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, yeah, maybe. obviously I guess it's not optimal either, either way, but I think at given the two, I would suggest most people do what you did than what I did. I think that yeah. that period is kind of so finite in terms of that that being so sensitive to stimulus at that kind of like never resistance train that I do think that you're better off putting on weight and getting fat but making the most of those newbie gains so that at least you've got that base of muscle so which we then know when you start to learn stuff you can then cut down quite easily you then at least still preserved and retained that muscle mass whereas as I say when I then eventually did lose lose weight and get to a point where I felt a bit more comfortable I realized just I was small I, I would say, like, I, I if I hadn't have done that, I would, and maybe it's just hopeful, maybe now, and maybe it's just an excuse, but I would have more, way more muscle mass than I do now. Do you think, with enough training and eating, you could gain a lot more muscle mass? You mean, do you think? Yeah, well, yeah, it has, it has occurred to me that I guess. There is this element of when you first train, like basically, if someone says I've got ten years training, most of the times you you kind of would almost assume, nah, bullshit. You've got two years training. Your first eight years were probably shit, like everyone else's, and which is probably the or is is often the case. Like there aren't that many people that get into the gym that kind of you would say have a high quality training from from day one or very early on. Most people have years of just working out how to actually lift, 
um, and kind of learning the actual principles of training. Uh, and, you know, it takes a, a good number of years to get to the point where you might say, actually, I do think I've got quite high-quality high training now. Like, even now, where I'm bearing in mind, I think I've been in lift, like, resistance training for the best part of, well, probably 10 years, if not slightly over. But I would, again, probably only say last three or four years, I can honestly say that a lot of the scientific principles have come together. And even now, that like I would say, a lot of it is not perfect. Even now, I'm still working on execution all the time. And almost mesocycle to mesocycle, I sometimes think to myself, there's another thing I've changed, tweaked, um, analysed and kind of been mindful about where I've added and think, oh, that might suddenly improve my execution on stuff. Like even now. So I guess it's almost get to a point where you do think to yourself, hmm, maybe you haven't completely missed your newbie gains because... You've never you, like. Am I a newbie now? If I start training like with perfect, like perfect execution and quality, does that all of a sudden make me a newbie because I never did that before? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I look at someone like you know Steve Hall uh, comes up with a good example in that he's been into bodybuilding, competed in I don't even know what year, but his first show was like early two thousand twelve, thirteen. That sort of you know, like good number of years ago, maybe maybe fifteen. I don't know. But anyway, a good number of years ago and. Um, you, the progression he's made in the last two or three years, you would think to yourself, I don't know how he's made that much progression. It is almost like he has had a second newbie phase. And he would probably put that down to just kind of honing in and kind of sharpening those scientific principles that he's now following compared to what he probably did six or seven years ago. And it's almost like he's had that second phase. So I guess there is hope that that might happen when you kind of start to really work out what works for you and, and as I say, at hone those those scientific principles where you do start to get this kind of blow up of muscle or it might just be waves you might just actually get waves over time where other people just have kind of periods where they just gain more muscle than periods and other periods where they don't and there's no real rhyme or reason to it because it could be related to many many other things like nutritional status like you know whether you're dieting it could be down to stress it could be down to just i don't know all manner of factors as to why you then get like say you suddenly have shit sleep because you have a kid now that's going to affect. We know that affects. Um, certainly, we know it affects that. Uh, you know, muscle protein or muscle muscle protein synthetic response. We know it affects obviously retention in um, like sleep deprived people when they're trying to diet. We know that when people are sleep deprived, they they lose more muscle mass than they do fat mass potentially, or certainly it's it's affected. So it's just stuff like that which might make all the difference of whether people build muscle or not. I guess it's it's way more nuanced. Uh, nuance than just saying oh you've missed out on your newbie gains I guess but it's just what just a thought I a lot... yeah I think a lot of people as well obviously generally as, you, as a bloke as you as you mature as well you're probably not so oh, yeah, i got to lift that much weight because that guy in the corner is doing how much weight so i got to beat him sort of thing I'm going to look like I'm strong when you think actually my aim is to look better not be stronger you know generally speaking like what a max is. So I think, well, I need to be in control of the weight I'm using. I need to focus on the muscle that I'm trying to work. So maybe then you get that. You're more controlled. You you drop the weight and you are focusing on the <clears throat> the muscle you are working on, you know, squeezing at the top of the exercise and actually making the most of each rep rather than just swinging weights around I'm not really working the muscles you should be working, but working everything else. Yeah, You're, around it. Yeah, because 
click, you can obviously move a weight from A to B with almost brute force. So kind of using like kind of more skeleton, using other other muscle groups, momentum, and all these other things, which isn't conducive to hypertrophy if that's your goal hypertrophy is you need to create mechanical tension in that specific muscle that you're targeting um that's the primary driver or suspected hypothesized primary driver for hypertrophy is mechanical tension obviously i know you've got metabolic stress um oh i'm in my blank mechanical tension metabolic stress and what the fuck's happened to my head Volume? No, but obviously that comes under tension. Oh, do you know what? I, what the fuck has happened to me? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. But anyway, basically you need to create mechanical tension. So you're only going to do that if you to like proper execution of an, of an, as a lift, as you said. Plus it's also going to reduce risk of injury. You're not going to obviously have the, like as a higher chance of injuring yourself because your form's correct and you're obviously protecting joints and, and other stuff. Um, so yeah, I would. That was probably on my number two, if I'm honest. Kind of execution, um, and I don't. I don't think I was one over time growing up. It, growing up, what, I don't think I was one in the time in the gym where I was consistently trying to kind of be Billy Big Balls and oh, I must lift bigger than the other person. I don't think it really occurred to me that much. Maybe potentially because I was in a le- I've, like I trained in a leisure centre gym almost like enough field health or was greens at the time, but. Um, for way best part of a decade which there was never anyone fucking jacked in there so it's not like i ever really had to worry too much about like lifting the strongest or being the strongest in there because you know the competition was pretty low so that never really it was a total opposite for me well yeah no no doubt but i think for, for that situation for me what it didn't mean is that i was ever really chasing anyone else but i was always chasing myself and i think and i still do this now i think it is still fundamentally a problem that you kind of chase this progression and haven't when we talked about it around you know you going back in and chasing and like adding reps and stuff or adding you know weight to the bar you do you do kind of feel that you always have to beat the previous weeks um and i and i still do and and did get caught up in that a lot so i was probably more kind of chasing myself and then therefore maybe sometimes just let my own ego get in the way of that therefore putting more load on the bar than i probably should my form starts to slip or my execution starts to slip um and i'm then actually creating more fatigue and actually less stimulus so they're kind of often referred to the stimulus to fatigue ratio is just skewed where i'm just getting more more fatigue than i than it's worthwhile for the stimulus i'm getting because my execution just slipped and that's what high bodybuilding hypertrophy is about can you get the most stimulus for you know the, the muscle group that you're targeting with the least fatigue and they're the types that you know what exercises do that for you are the ones you probably want to be working with mostly because you know that's why i don't like we, we said about i don't I, I just don't deadlift anymore and i just just i don't program it for people very rarely unless they really want to unless they're a powerlifter obviously and they have to because i just think it's not a particularly good exercise for hypertrophy because the fatigue cost is just way too big the stimulus you get from it is just way too big now some people might argue with that and say that's bullshit but for me in my experience <laughs> and kind of listening to some experts talk about it i'm like yeah i agree i just don't i don't see that i get there's other exercises i can do which got way less amount of fatigue um that gets as good a stimulus on you know like your posterior chain hamstrings glutes so and the injury risk and yeah the injury risk i was i'd be honest that, that every i'd probably get injured every six months deadlifting 
not not anything serious, but just enough to be like a little oh, that's a niggle, and that's like there for a week, and obviously just meant that then, or maybe for a couple of weeks, and just meant that then affects other exercise, anything else. Like yeah. just that, that, you know, sometimes you get that little lower back twinge where that'd be be like really sensitive for a week, where like I, I could, that'd be, I'd struggle to even get not get out of bed, but like you'd lay in bed and try and get up in the middle of the night, go for a wee, and you'd be like, oh, little as you get out of bed, like oh. Yeah, I I I stopped that I think about two or three years ago. That is not it's not it's it's not worth it. You can you can like I say you can work your posterior train, more targeted exercises, just do them. There's obviously no injury there's not no injury risk for any exercise, but much less injury risk. So I have stopped doing them as well. Yeah. I, when we say deadlift just for clarity, obviously we're talking about a conventional deadlift here. We're not talking about kind of other variants like I mean I still do Roman Romanian, sorry, Romanian deadlifts. I still do like other hip hinges. Um I just yeah. don't do a, a conventional deadlift where I'm just stacking the plates. It's just it, it, there was a point where I used to like it because it to make you feel like a fucking Billy Big Ball, especially oh, yeah. in a leisure centre gym. You know, I used to like. I've never been like horrendously strong at any exercises, but I was getting up to kind of like one fifty, one sixty for two or three reps, which some people laugh at and say it's fucking. Oh, I can do two hundred, but in a leisure centre gym, like no, hardly anyone's anywhere near that sort of weight. Like the dead, literally, most people in a leisure centre gym are deadlifting sixty kilos, like your body pump style and like horrendously poor form as well you know like touch and go bouncing off the ground like dogs dogs taking a fucking shit type deadlifts and i'm like mm. <laughs> but i think even though for me when i started training it was literally the opposite of your gym environment so it was it would probably come it probably does come into a mistake in training generally in so much as um you're doing too much weight not focusing on form so much and probably you are compromising from probably getting injured more than you should but I went in as a well teenager and it was boys out 23 4 but because the gym was it was a hardcore gym like they were jabbing gear in the back room you know what I mean so one of those gyms like um, run by bodybuilders trained bodybuilders everywhere I'm not saying like all massive, but all into that, all into that type of training. So the, we used to train. There must have been six of us training, and you could literally one of those gyms you could walk in any day. We're going to be someone there you know you could train with randomly. So you, I would always because we, we I, well, I was young. You'd always end up training with all the people who are stronger, and obviously they are pushing you. So you trying, I got to beat you. Whatever you're doing, I got to come and get. I'm going to come and get you. So you are compromising form. So rather than I like the atmosphere. I love training like that. I do it again now. Obviously, we're focused on form. But back then, there was no real focus on form. Just, let's just beat ourselves into the ground until you die. Whoever dies first fucking loses. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's that sort of attitude. Even though it's good for that, you know, for the mentality, it's not really, it's probably not the most productive for long-term gains because you're focusing on, technically, the weight that I wanted to reach was out to reach for me at the time but you're trying to get then you you do whatever you need to do to get the weight up and when you do that on a bench press you know your shoulder is eventually going to break in half so mm. it's probably one of the even though I enjoyed it it's definitely a mistake for long term not for not long term but I could have made gains quicker by focusing on, on more form rather than Dick Swing. 
which is what it was really. Yeah, it's good. We have a Sunday chess session with both six of us. Well, me, me and my teens, two boys in their twenties and a guy in his forties. You know, it was good. Yeah, but yeah. Well, maybe think... not reduced to. No, but I think. As we've said, it's, I think it's just quite typical. People listening might think, oh, actually, I can relate to that because we all did that when we were younger. Um, and I, I will say, I think training in a home gym now and have done for the past nearly three years, I've seen probably better progress than I would have done otherwise because the ego part of me has, not all of it, as I said, I still get carried away a bit sometimes now trying to kind of almost force progression. But... I have. I no longer have to worry about anyone else around, or um, I no no longer have to even you know do anything other than I'm in a gym on my own. There's literally no one watching me. No one knows what I do. So I, think yeah, I can't train, train on my own. I can't. It's just not the same. Yeah. Well, it does. It does obviously take a certain level of discipline, consistency, whatever you want to call it. But I think I my personality it suits because I'm quite robotic in a lot of stuff. So, and I like consistency routine. That suits me a lot. I'm, I'm reasonably, you know, I'm self-motivated. It's got to a point now where, and it, we, we did an episode, didn't we, before around intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. But I'm obviously very much in the extrins, intrinsic part where I do th- these things for doing them and the enjoyment of doing them. I don't do these things for any type of external outcome. So, which is probably a bit, a, a bit too maybe blunt to say that actually because obviously I am doing it for you know, improved body composition or whatever else but you know that's not really the the reason or the enjoyment I get out of it the enjoyment is kind of going through the process and doing it rather than kind of expecting an outcome to happen you know what I mean so. I, I think I'm I like that I like the atmosphere in the gym I like going to the gym loud music other people and like I just find that I just my body just doesn't work in the house I, we had we had twenty seven k barbell with with weights on and doing floor pressing. So obviously you know, so we can't bend the no bench. So triceps lifting the floor. So reduced range of motion. And after a while, twenty seven k felt heavy. But obviously, go in the gym now. You can do forty a side, which is eighty, which is that's not quadruple, but you know what I mean. Mm. And it felt easier than twenty seven. Do do you, Why, do, you, do you not think though? Because obviously that's a completely like it's uh, that uh, that's a completely different atmosphere than like a home gym you obviously i've got like basically other than a, a couple of machines i've got pretty much the same equipment that i would use in a gym so this is really a gym for me and not a you know training at home do you think it'd be different in terms of whether you if you had like you know you had a barbell plates squat rack dumbbells all that type of stuff rather than having to kind of almost train at home and makeshift like a lot of people have through covid yeah, I think if I had if I had to go to the garage and there's you know, some music in there and an actual proper gym, it probably would be different, I think. I'll never go back. I'll never go back to a gym. No? Other than just for a little day trip, for a bit of a, you know, maybe for a party pump session and a bit of a laugh with mates, but I'll, I'll never go back and get a subscription again. When I move, mate, I've got a fucking massive double gym, in I, son? Now I've got a fucking, it's going to be the mecca of home gyms, isn't it? No, so, it's a beast of gym. <laughs> well, to be fair, it was my only kind of real wish on moving properties was to, ideally, if I could, can we have a double gym, a double garage, see, or Freudian slip, a double garage so I can have a gym, like a bigger gym, more equipment. Because the only thing I would like to do is 
like I say, I've pretty much got everything I need. I would just like some form of leg machine, whether that be a press, a hack. I don't really think I want anything like a pendulum squat or some basically I want something where I can kind of do some form of leg exercise without axle loading. I and mean, I've got an extension on my bench which obviously you can do leg extensions with which you know is is adequate and does a decent enough job on focusing on quads or you can do line hamstring curls and stuff on it. So but I would like a idea like a nice commercial hack squat, not a shit one, which just gives me another option for legs because otherwise a bit limited to either you know back squats, front squats. Don't worry, I still fucking loads of new back squats, front squats, all obviously types of goblet squats. You can do obviously so many um, unilateral stuff in Bulgarian squits, split squats, split squats, split squats, lunges. You know, if there's, there's, there's not like I'm going to run out of things really, but I would. They're all most of them are all really axle loading or obviously you know have to be lower load or below the waist loaded um which obviously you're limited then on what you can do in terms of how much weight you can actually hold on to and stuff so yeah nice a nice a nice leg press slash hack squat one of those ones that can that flips over would be nice actually but i've i think harry smith said to me once about don't buy there's there's like a popular brand i think body max or another one he said that they're and they're like seven eight hundred quid new so no not they're obviously it's cheap for gym equipment because those sort of things usually cost fucking tens of thousands don't they but um he's like don't do it the range of motion on them are terrible so don't buy one so i was like oh okay but they, they obviously it's like the pad flips over so you can basically as an in, like an inverted leg press or you can flip it right the pad flips around so it turns into a hack squat so i wouldn't mind something like that but something that was obviously good not shit yeah hack squats good there we got we got one now gym as as it's an odd one like usually the handles to to take it off, you know what I mean? Take it off the the pegs. Yeah. Is up here, isn't it? It's yeah. by your shoulders. This one is down by your hips, and it's just an odd. I don't know. It's odd. It's an odd movement because you have to hold on. It feels like you're using your arms to help as well. All right. And this yeah. is quite stiff. It's like an ambi priest. <laughs> I, I do I do love a hack squat for folks on the quads, but as I say, take a lot of that axle loading out, so you're absolutely smashing your lower back and stuff it just this is such a nice nice feeling same same with leg press really but i like the the kind of the stand up part of a hack squat doing it so yeah i do i do like a hack it's good so yeah any more major mistakes or i mean they were my two really and with which we've covered so kind of that that underfunding the newbie gains um and not not really focusing or thinking about any real form of execution or that it was really a big deal they're the two things I would say for me getting getting too fat when I learned when I was listening to like look at a flex magazine just training like full eating well say health well you know, but most people say healthy food, but just having no regard to calories whatsoever, and, and, and believing that because I was getting bigger, it must be muscle. It's, it's clearly not. Like most people are not eighteen stone; they full of muscle. Like that's one. <clears throat> I suppose this. I suppose this ties in. Well, it does tie in a bit, like. But when actually dieting, dieting, believing that. You have to be overly restrictive and just eat quote unquote clean foods. 
and then having a cheat day on a Sunday or the weekend at some point. That was a mistake because I guess you went to the habit of really, really restricting the week and, and uh, fueling training and then binging like a maniac on one day a week and you end up probably get, end up having a net gain because you're eating so much on one day. I mean, or going into a chip shop and ordering like five meals on a Sunday, which is like 10,000 calories, lunacy. You know, and that's easy enough to wipe out a deficit for a week. Sounds like so. my Wednesday night after on my birthday. Those <laughs> <laughs> two are probably mine, I would say. But would I change it going back? I wouldn't change the training, I don't think. Cause I, I enjoyed just training with other bigger people. It was a good laugh as well. I'd probably change the nutrition side of it, definitely. I'll tell you what, I would change both of mine. If I, I, I would basically just go, fuck it, let's get fat if we have to, let's maximise those newbie gains. And I would very much like to start to, or, or would very much like to have thought that from day one, that I focus on executing and understanding kind of, you know, the, the level of biomechanics you need to anyway. I'm not expecting to be an expert in biomechanics because I'm not, not in any way, shape or form anywhere near now. But just understanding how movements like basically what muscles affect or, or make mm. what movement patterns. Um, that's really shit English. Um, but yeah, so I, that I would change both of those in a fucking millisecond because it'd probably mean that I'm way further uh, progressed than I am now. So I think but, it's the thing to be said for, for mind-muscle connection. People should think when they do an exercise, this is supposed to be working my lats, front delts, whatever. It's when you do an exercise actually focus on your lats and trying to use your lats to do the exercise not swinging your lower back round so if people do that when they start trying to actually think what is what am I supposed to be working with and trying to you know squeeze at the top of the movement and make sure that you're actually working that muscle from the get regardless of what weight is on the bar and if you did that focus on form you'd be a lot better off than 90% of people who start there's an easy shit test as well if you finish your set or your exercise um or your whole session, and you go, oh, I feel absolutely fucking beat up. But actually, you know, my your quads don't... Say you did a set of squats, and you finish your set of squats, and you're like, oh, God, I feel absolutely shattered, and I feel beat up. That's a great session. And you go, but my quads don't really hurt. I just feel generally beat up. You're probably not not, not executing properly. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you know, if, you're, if you're doing bicep curls, and you just, again, you know, the weight's moving, and you just feel shattered, but your biceps don't hurt probably not executing properly just a you know simple yeah. shit test really exactly right we have execute hit execute from the start execute sound like you want to fucking kill me mate um we are an hour six so let's wrap it up there shall we son yeah wrap it up in the week then i am um, i, I am um, oh got some feedback there i i hope people have found this uh useful um the bit of a rambly episode but we just wanted to chat about some of our mistakes we thought it'd be interesting for people to under to kind of hear what we went through maybe relate or maybe you're just new to your your kind of training and you want to get into stuff and not make the same mistakes we have so um and then you'll probably have more gains than me in a few weeks if you if you do it properly now so then you, then you have you have your own podcast tell us what to do mm. yep 
especially bear in mind that obviously in terms of the amount of gains I've got, I've obviously now finished my dieting phase uh, from the start of this year, and I now just look like again like a skinny Mo Farah. So oh, skinny how heavy. Mo Farah. Oh mate, hundred and six. Well, I was hundred sixty nine this morning, but my lowest weigh like a couple of days ago was hundred and sixty six point four or something. Six pounds. You are eleven eight. Which is fucking teeny tiny. I Is am that a sound? currently 207. Oh, you fat fucker. <laughs> I don't think it's that, that thing is that sounds small. Like, it really does. Especially when you talk about people, you know, how much other, other you know, professional bodybuilders weigh or pros weigh. You're like, oh. <laughs> but hey-ho, you know. I've, I've, the, the thing about it is now I've bought myself a good two years probably of massing time now. So, which is nice. Oh, yeah. it's, it's a nice thought. If I can control the rate of weight gain now, um, I sh- I'm hoping that maybe this is where I'm going to experience my newbie gains. <laughs> that would be good. I'm going to show you a photo now, right? Obviously, people won't be able to see this unless they watch it on YouTube. You, yeah, YouTube. But how old is he, do you think? 90, 92. Years oh, old? Yeah. He must be, to be. He must. He look at. It, he's got no hair, and he must be ninety-two to be that big. Surely, trained that long. He is twenty-three. He's had a fucking hard life, isn't he? Too many roids. <sighs> but that, like, yeah, it's outrageous. Clearly, he hasn't trained very long. His arm. He's obviously using a lot. Mate, I reckon his arm weighs eleven stone. So, right, who is it? There's a guy called Nick Walker. Hmm, don't know. But he's 20, like... 23, fucking hell. Don't, he's it, it, he's... measured on film at 23 inches. Christ. And he, the guy's shredded. Yeah, he is. Uh, and, and clearly on special sports supplements, but um, yeah. still. It, it should. If people, if people watch it on YouTube, you'll be able to see that actually, especially in this game, bodybuilding and looking better, genetics play a very, very large role. Where you will get to, Indeed. like you will never get that big ever, no matter what you do. You could pump in all of the chemicals you like, but if you want the genetics, it won't happen. Well, on that miserable downer, son, like don't listen to Johnny, still go train. You know, you got to try, yeah. aim for the stars and all that, and you might hit the no, what is it, aim for the moon, you hit the star. I don't fucking know, yeah. whatever that saying is, but basically, aim, aim high, beat yourself, do it, but everybody else. Yeah, enjoy. If you enjoy the process, it doesn't matter then, does it? You know, if you're intrinsically motivated like I am, then you don't have to worry about it because you're like, well, I enjoy doing it. I just, I'm not. I, I don't need to worry about whether I turn into a 23 year old fucking ginormous Adonis made out of fucking granite. We get a 35 probably. Yeah, well, let's let's hope not for his sake, but yeah. Um, right, thank you, Johnny. Very enjoyable chat, and I will catch you very soon. It's been a pleasure. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.